Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God Father, today, I want to thank you first off for the people that are here that you love. You love better than I love. You love better than our community loves. Your love is, you're, you are love. It's, it's who you are. So we just pray that we would just latch into that, lock on to that today. That we would really grasp the depth, of height, and width. That there would be no performance in this room. That anybody's hopes and aspirations that I'm the answer to something, that they would go ahead and let that fade and that they would realize that all I'm trying to do is help them hear from you. So I just pray today that you would clear the path for that. That you would clear the path for discerning and hearing and believing that we are your sheep and that we hear your voice. That you would destroy the walls that are speaking to us right now saying, because of this, you can't da 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 da. We pray that you would help us to see ourselves as the sun running to you, undeserved, and then receiving undeserved love. Put us in that posture this morning as we begin. There's nobody in here that deserves anything. And there's nobody in here you're trying to show how bad they are. There's just the love of a father reaching into a world, saying, I've come to this world not to condemn it, but to love it. And then there are those that receive it with joy, and they will be called sons and daughters. So today we pray that we would Walk fully as sons and daughters who know that our Father loves us and that we're not really in danger of doing something that makes you not love us, but that we can wake up in the morning and we're loved. We got a home, that's you. We're provided for, that's you. That's your prayer in Matthew 6. We have identity, that's from you. Sons and daughters, we're new creations according to Corinthians. So today, let us walk like that. In Jesus' name, amen. It's kind of a lengthy prayer. You guys should have thrown me a, all right, buddy. <laughs> um, 
So last week we talked about vision. We're in a, I wouldn't say series, whatever it is we're doing, we're walking through the, the spiritual disciplines because we feel like these are things that help us create space to be with our Father. We don't feel like the spiritual disciplines are the end. Like if you are good at praying and meditating, that's not the end. These are avenues and spaces to be with Jesus. That's the end. Time with Him, being with Him, not in a devotional sense, but in a creator with created Veil is torn since we have access to the Father, and He absolutely wants to relate to us. Absolutely wants to relate to us. So we've been in, in a kind of an emphasis on that, and we'll probably stay in that. Today is another one of the disciplines, and it's discernment. And I think for this one, I'm really, last week or two weeks ago, I wasn't super excited to talk about what I was talking about because it was really difficult. I didn't grasp it the way that maybe I needed to, simplicity. I think maybe it's the hardest for our culture. Being simple, we're in the top, I mean, we are the richest people in the world. So simplicity for us is hard to really even understand. Um, but discernment, I think everybody kind of feels like they're pretty good at discerning. I don't know that I've ever heard somebody that's like, I'm terrible at discernment. You always kind of, I don't know why this is too, but people are always bragging about discernment. Isn't that, so I'm, I'm a good discerner, like, I'm really good at discerning. I don't know why that is, because some of the other gifts, people aren't necessarily like that. But this one, like, God's given me the gift of discernment, you know, like, you don't walk around saying God's given me the gift of prophecy, you know, like, you just kind of do it. So maybe we should just discern <laughs> instead of, and I think it's also the one that when you see in other people, it's one that you notice in other people. You, you can tell when people are good at gathering data, making decisions, you know, because I think discernment, the way we would see it, is the ability to perceive in a situation what to do, what's right and wrong. Um... And I think we notice that in other people. Whenever it becomes like it's time to make a decision, we probably stress more in those moments than any other moment. When, especially the really big decisions, you know, marriage, what am I going to do with my job, what Falcon shirt to buy. Like these things are a really big deal. We tend to get really antsy in these. And these are when the questions start to creep in. The big, especially if there hasn't been space created before that in some of the smaller decisions. We kind of what do I do here? You know, like, and we don't want to be a group of Christians that only tap into to the Lord's discernment and will, God's will, in the big decisions. I think you start with the small decisions and even make those really valuable that you can say, now, I was talking to Jill about this before. There are, and, there, and she prayed this for me, you know, sometimes God says, go right. Just as simply as that. Like, you're driving in a car, you feel like you should maybe go right. You feel like it's more than just you, and you go right. I'm totally guilty of that happening. There are times when I will take the long route just from praying on the way home. Maybe I shouldn't go this way, and I go the long route, and I pray for a house or something. Something as simple as that to looking across the table at someone you might want to purchase a wedding ring to buy and give to. Does that make sense? You need discernment. This is one of those things all of us have to have it because everyone in here is going to be making decisions probably this week. A lot of you have already made huge decisions. A lot of you have huge decisions to come. A lot of you need the guidance of the Lord right now in something. Raise your hand if you need right now the guidance of the Lord in something. It's like always. And next week it'll be the other half. And, and so that's why I love, I love, love, love talking about this for a day because it's never going to not be important for you to, to hear and understand the will of the Lord and then step in faith in what he leads you in. You know, and sometimes it's super simple to hear and understand, and sometimes it's not, you know, it's not. So I think the ability to know what to do with Christians, I think it's connected to more than that. 
I think for a Christian, it's the ability to perceive the presence of the Lord. I think what the Lord is, what he's doing, how he's moving, it's the ability to, and we'll read a passage in a minute from 1 John that talks about that. It's the ability to perceive that. But decisions for us create some anxiety. Some of the things that I think most of us struggle with are, are these four things, and I'll just throw these at you. Can you actually know God's will? And this is more than just a static reading of Scripture. Scripture is the Word of God. I believe that's a logos. It's Him. It's actually Him in person. It was there before the world was created. I believe that. I believe you could read the Word and gain insight. But this isn't just saying that. This is the ability to know perceived will for a generation, person, or community. Can you actually know what to do? Many of you in this room stop right there and you think, I don't even know that that's possible. Some people don't trust that the Lord actually has His best for you. Praise break. When I say the Lord has his best for you, that doesn't always look like, mostly doesn't look like the American dream. I want you to know that. It doesn't look like you getting everything you want in life, okay? There's a lot of people that believe that. That's not, God's best for you can very much look like what it looked like for Jesus, right? People leaving him in the most important moments. Him having to sweat blood in a terrible decision because of the weight of the world. God's will for you, does he want his best for you? Yes. Is his best for you sometimes what you would say is best? Maybe not. You know, tough seasons in your life that produce character in you. Some of the best things that you've had in, in the later part of your life come from seasons that were not necessarily your favorite, but some things were developed in you that gave you wisdom, uh, gave you the ability to kind of be humble. You know, it's hard. So God's best, do you trust that his best, even if it doesn't look like that, is for you? And the third one is, this is, I think, the biggest one. Was that me or was that God? Like when you're praying about something, was that me or was that God? Like when, This is so big for me when I was getting married to Sarah. Um, I had no idea. There's too much in there. There's too many emotions like going on. Um, and I went, one day I'd be like, I'm so certain that this is God. And I really think she's attractive. So that's hard. And then the next day I'm like, oh, this is totally my will. And to live for the Lord, you have to do things you don't want to do. You've got to do hard things. He doesn't want me to do this. And then I'll be back the next day like, no, this is God's will. This is awesome. I'm excited. The next day I'll be like, he's asked me to give up things I love. Now I can't marry Sarah. This went on for like two years. And for most of you, for most of you, this is not, this is probably super simple. Actually, I know, I know it's not. For most of us, it's a big deal, you know. You know, and it's because so many things are connected to our decisions and how we perceive what we do. You know, I knew when I married Sarah, that's going to change the rest of our life. We have three children running around this building right now because of that decision, you know, because of that discerning and prayer, because of pre, pre-engagement counseling, pre-marital counseling, post-marital counseling, <laughs> Googling counseling, <laughs> Wikipedia counselor, which is the, probably the best one. He's really good. Just type in whatever you want and it'll give it to you. It's really good. So... But every decision has that type of implication for us, right? Like, especially if we're Christian, because if we're Christian, we believe Jesus and God are real, which has huge implications. If just that part is real, of anything you hear today, if just God is real and Jesus is real, everything about your life is going to change. Because that has connected to it things like he's created you. He actually has a work for you that will be joyful. He has things he's given you that he wants you to steward well. He has excitement in your future. He has loss in your future. It's, so when we make decisions, I think all that comes into it. 
the book that we were reading for um, Advent a few weeks back talked about discerning is responding to the presence of God in the flesh. So almost like noticing where Jesus is and seeing him. And so I just want to let you off the hook really quickly. Um, if you already feel like you do not do this, it's not your job to get you to the spot that you do it well. It's his job to lead you into it. Anything really deeply theologically hard, it's going to be his job through the Holy Spirit to lead you into it. There's nothing in you that's actually equipped to do it really well already. In fact, you're probably pretty equipped to do the opposite of discernment. That's what's going to come natural. You're going to protect yourself. You're going to fight. Somebody just jumped out for over there but when I was walking in. I, have, I think I have one of the coolest instant responses to automatic danger, and I actually do this. I literally do this. I've noticed myself, like, if somebody jumps out, I'm like... Which is cooler than like, you know, or like, I've caught myself like, I do like a fist thing. I wouldn't fight anybody and I probably wouldn't win, but that's, that's something. I think it's something. I do that. Like, what do you do when you're scared? You know, like, <laughs> who screams when they're instantly scared? So awesome. Just raise your hand really high again. Who screams? Who likes to scare? Okay, look at the people who just raised their hands. I want somebody to scream today, okay? So jump out. Just kidding. Anyway, I don't want you to throw in the towel on knowing the will of God for your life. And more specifically, your life is not even about you. Your life is connected to a much bigger thing. It's not. It's about this impact that he's going to have through you to the world, and it's going to look beautiful. But I want you to not throw in the towel that you can actually hear and know and discern what to do with all of that daily not just like the three big decisions daily discerning and listening just don't the one that's in here is like i don't hear god and i don't want to hear this just don't throw in the towel right now just if you did just reach back in pick it up and hold it and then ask him father you already know that i'm terrible at this i need you to lead me now i need you to lead me into this because i've evidently not been good at this and maybe your evidence that you're not awesome at it have the last 10 or 11 decisions of your life been terrible have they been things that you've had to reap and clean up? And have they actually harmed more than they've helped? Slow down, pick up the towel, and believe that he can lead you. I just think it's beautiful. I will say this, that no matter how far you get in discerning or maturity, you're never too far from needing the word, the spirit, and community. There's not a Jedi Christian that is exempt from those three things that just all of a sudden knows. That's when you start to see things like cults happen. That's when crazy things you don't need God's people. You don't need his word. And the Holy Spirit definitely isn't real. You know, and whatever that means for you, the Holy Spirit's real. You know, that means different to a lot of people. But no matter where you are in your process of discernment, those who would say, God's already gifted me with that. I understand. You never are out of the reach of needing the Spirit's guidance, the word, and your community. You need to be able to look at two or three people and say, God's saying, do this. And they need to be able to say to you, you are an idiot. <laughs> Because sometimes that's it. You know, there's a story of the guy who was talking about, he, he started this relationship with a girl at the gym, and he was married, and God was telling him to divorce his wife to be with this other married wife. That's when community says, that's probably not Jesus. <laughs> but <laughs> we can talk about it. There's still room for you at the table. Like, you just need, need, you need community, you know. So, I'm going to jump in. I'm sorry, guys. This is the longest intro ever. 1 Corinthians 12.10 talks about that discernment is a gift. Say gift. I literally think that means that some people are actually more equipped at it than others. Um, 
I do think you can probably use discernment if it's your gift without really being rooted deeply in Scripture. I don't think it's super safe. I think you need community. Uh, Romans 12 talks about one and two that discernment's the sign of someone who's spiritually mature. So someone who's spiritually mature can discern. Those are the people. That's why we call those people. When you have a problem, the people you call probably have discernment. If the people you call do not have discernment, you don't have any discernment. Because you don't want to hear from someone that has no discernment, right? So you don't do that, though. We just already do that. You already know that the mature have discernment. That's why you call them, right? You can have it, though. You can have discernment. So I want to read to you um, your, kind of your text for today. And it's 1 John chapter 4, and it's going to be verses 1 through 21. I'm going to break it up into two parts. The first is going to be 1 through 6, which I'm going to read to you here. And Father, as I begin to read it, I just want to say thank you for this. That, um, again, I just it, it makes me really encourage that we get to hold this Bible and that we get to talk about it without any danger of someone walking in here to harm us for it. We, you know, whether we like or dislike the nation that we live in, we are allowed certain freedoms that gives us the ability to do this, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we can talk about your word, we can divide it together, and we can look at it, and we can disagree together. So today as we read it, I do pray that you would bring to light the spirit active that says this is for you from the Lord in this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Before you jump to a picture of a crazy figure that's the selected Antichrist, this is not what this is talking about. This is talking about there's a spirit that is Christ and there's a spirit that is the opposite of Christ. Does that make sense? This is talking about things that are the opposite of who Christ is, okay? So, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world, okay? Your, you children, you dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth or the spirit of falsehood, which is what you want. If you're discerning, you don't want the spirit of falsehood. You want the spirit of truth for everything in your life. And so two things are being said here. Don't believe the false prophets. The false prophets are succeeding, okay? In this passage and even today, the false prophets are succeeding. They're spreading the word and their word is being bought into. It's actually pretty easy to buy into it because it's already the existing structure of the world. It's, and it's not just like, go ahead and get false prophets in the world from being people that drink, smoke, and cuss. Okay, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about, I'm more important than everybody here. The spirit of the world is that you are the most important person in this room. The spirit of the world is that your ambition and what you get, does not, that matters more than even if I have to harm people on the way. The spirit of the world is no matter what, I'm getting what I want. The spirit of the world is actually sung in a lot of gospel songs. Really crazy. A lot of Christian songs contain 
a good message of the spirit of the world about you receiving everything that you need, right? Even if you have to step on people to get that. The spirit of the world is seen all throughout scripture. It's what Jesus bumps into. The spirit of the world is, it's mine. Everybody say mine. That is very much the spirit of the world. Mine. That's mine. You see it in two-year-olds when you take away something. It's mine. Like, you know, how do you even know that word? You haven't spoke yet. They know, they know that word when they come out. They're like, ah, mine. Like, first thing, it's the spirit of the world. It is what's already exists in us. You feel it every day. It's not just all these things we were trained to believe. Those are bad people. We're good people. They're bad because of this. The spirit of the world can be clothed and look like humility even. It's crazy. But the spirit of Jesus is different. So don't get the picture of red devils, the spirit of the world, like red devils running around Antichrist with like Kirk Cameron like involved in it somehow. Some peripherally, he's somewhere connected. Don't get that picture. Get the picture of what is the opposite of Christ. That's the spirit of the world, right? Okay, so, but do believe those who put Christ in the flesh. This is going to be your most theological moment today. In this passage, people would say Jesus was real, and he did those things, but they would not say that Christ was Jesus. The Christ means, if you say Jesus Christ, that's actually two things together. The Christ was God, okay? And it was God come in flesh to be human. Jesus was a human, and people in this time would separate the two and say, Jesus was a great man, but it wasn't the Christ. They were trying to not allow God to be in flesh in the community. They didn't want there to be a chance for See, the spirit of the world and the Antichrist said that God did not come. Jesus, he sent someone, Jesus, but God in flesh was not here. It's really similar to what happens today. That was for then, but the spirit of God is not alive and living now, right? The same kind of spirit does not give credence that he is here with us, okay? So, so can you bring up John? Did you put John 8, 847 up there? I'll read it to you guys really quickly. Um, but these are people that know God, not just Jesus. And so this is going to be really big in a second. So putting God in the flesh means that this group of people can perceive it, not because he's Jesus, but because this is the God who came, God of eternity, now here. And you can know and discern because you are pulling not from just Jesus, and I know this is so crazy to hear, you're pulling from God. God is the one telling you. And so this discernment comes with knowing which is different for us now. So what do we do? We can discern because of this. In your mind, in your heart, in every decision you make, there are false prophets. In every decision you make, there are little miniature false prophets in the, in the form of thoughts, all in your mind, ingrained in your flesh, speaking to you. Do this, do this. Christ is not real. You do not even need him. You don't need, you can just have Jesus. You don't need the Christ speaking to you do these things and it's in line with your flesh so if you want it you'll do it please everyone look at me your flesh will lie to you and lead you into things that you'll need jesus real to come back and clean up does it make sense you want him on the front end of discernment you want jesus on the front end of discernment because he will help you does that make sense that felt like pretty good preaching John 8, 47. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. He who 
is of God can hear the words of God. Not just Jesus, man form of God, but God form of God. You can hear God. And so in you, we ha- and this is what we got to do. This is why as a church, we have those there and those there. We want to discern the will of God for this body. There are things that we know. We are to serve the world. It's not going to be about us. It's going to be about us washing feet and loving people. But then there are things we have to pray together to know. God, is this for us? Is it not? Do you have any idea how many people come and talk to a pastor about things that we should do as a church? If I had a list of every conversation I've had of the things that our church needs to do, you would laugh out loud. Because we just do them, right? You're a church, right? Well, you should probably do this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you should do this, right? There's 1,100 of those things. You have to have discernment or everybody in here is not going to be here because you're all going to be worn thin and you're not going to want to be a part of a church that's wearing you thin. You have to have discernment. As a group and as a human, you have to have discernment. So, think real quickly. Close your eyes real quick. What right now in your life needs discernment? What in your life do you need to be able to perceive and know that the Lord is speaking into? What right now? Put your finger on something. And even in this moment, Lord, we just, we give you the availability to speak into this. What right now would you, not only do we need, but would you love to speak into? What is it that you would love to guide? And as your eyes are closed, what things feel fearful? What are you afraid of? What things bring fear to the surface of your heart? Maybe your kids, you're afraid they're going to do. What things release like this pattern of the world, which is fear and judgment? What things bring anger? Where is God asking you to discern his heart? So good. Now you can open your eyes. As you pray that, there really is no formula. There's no formula for discerning or we'd, I'd have a book and you all bought it. It would have been great. There's no formula. There's creating space to be in the presence of God and, then gu- and listen to his guidance. For me, when I first married Sarah, I love movies. I'll go see a movie with anybody here. Well, not everybody. Some people I'll see a movie with. I'll use discernment to figure out who I will. S- <laughs> but I just love that. For me, that's like something. I go to dinner. Who likes to go to dinner and then do a movie? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that is not Sarah, my wife. And so for the first three years, I was like, we're going to do a dinner night. We're going to do a movie night. And she was like, always like, oh, okay. I didn't learn until like four years into our marriage that that was actually not even fun for her. Like the, whatever the opposite of fun was, that what, what, what it was. So year six, I know, we're not going to a movie. We're not going, she likes dinner, but we'll go sit next to a creek and talk about our feelings, right? <laughs> <laughs> We'll go, we'll go on a hike. You want to know Sarah's love language? It's hiking. That's not even one of them. Gary Chapman's second book is hiking is one of her love languages. Shh. But it, I didn't know this at first. I knew what I wanted at first. And I wanted to go to a movie. I wanted to, I, would, I liked to work out at that time. I wanted to go do that. That actually was one of our, both of ours. But it took me like three years. And it wasn't even that I didn't know. It was that how can you not like going to movies? Are you a human? So it, was, it wasn't even like, did I know the will? It was more like, am I willing to do that will? And the question really came down to, do I actually care about this person, right? And when, when I started to do that, I started to realize there's one movie she loves, and that's Pride and Prejudice, which I actually like the movie. Go figure. 78th time watching it, it was good. 
And I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, I actually started to realize when, in our relationship, I kind of opened up to the things that she really wanted that I actually liked them better. I was always frustrated at movies with her because she was always like either falling asleep or not enjoying the peanut M&Ms that I love. And so, so but it, it's a process. Right now, like you, you're, God's trying to train you. And some of you guys are older. He's still trying to train you to hear and perceive and know his will. And there is a specific will. There is the will of God, right? I believe personally that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are always interceding about what needs to happen on earth and what they would love to see happening. There's always a will of God. We can't just check out of that with our lives and be like, I'm, I'm, I need your guidance on these three things. You fill my bank account, you give me some unattractive, and you, and you give me this car, and I'm good, God. That's, we can't live like that. We have to be attentive to what he's saying. Can I share a story about somebody in this room? Everybody's like, yes, until they hear who it is. <laughs> I won't even give the name, but... So, learning to perceive the voice of God in my just daily walk. A few months ago, I was at Rev Coffee. Who's been to Rev? That's my office, my home away from home. And I'm not going to say who this person is, but I met this person through a friend of mine who is one of the pastors on staff at a church called IGO. So... I walked over to these people and met them, and then a couple weeks later, this person came in, and I just knew that the Holy Spirit was saying, you have got to talk to that person. And I rarely ever invite people to our church. I just, I just don't think that that should be the first thing you talk about. I think it's manipulative a little bit. I think I need to invite them into my life, and that's what I want to do. So I just started a conversation with this person, and it like, I, I won't give too much info, but God put so many pieces together for them and for us, and the person's actually a part of our church now. That wasn't the initial goal. Um, but, but just the initial knowing that the Lord was saying, through excitement through me, I'm excited to do this for you, Lord. It's going to be like it takes some boldness, and it's not easy. And there, there's a shot that I could totally look like the guy that's trying to hit on a person because it was a female, and I have huge rules about that. Like, doors are open, but I felt like he was saying it. So in public, I went up and I was like, hey, what's, you know? And just started talking. It was so cool. And the person's a part of our life group now. Like we pray with, we cry with, we love with. The person's going to Scotland with us, <laughs> narrowing it down to eight. <laughs> she, there's two females on the team, so it's a she. <laughs> so it's Shelby. <laughs> Who Sarah starts spending a lot of time with too and just like, so you got to know, you know, like the Holy Spirit is not just this crazy thing that makes people get loud and run around and do dumb stuff. The Holy Spirit is a loving, gentle, according to Scripture, helpful, guiding presence that helps you love people well. And people, after spending time with the Holy Spirit, I rarely think they think that is so crazy. I think they think, I think the eternal creator just touched my life somehow, even if they can't put that into words. That's what I think. And so the Holy Spirit is real. There's three beliefs that I think you need to know about him to believe you can hear him and discern. Three really simple beliefs. One is God is good. Everybody say God is good. God is good. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God is good? All the time. All the time? God is good. Amen. So that's awesome. Um, this is pretty simple. We feel like we got this one. We don't. We don't have this one. Does God want to kill someone in your life right now? 
Is there a group? Listen, just, just, I'm just going to throw some things out. Is there a group of humans on the planet God would like to kill right now? That's not a good God. Is there a time when you sin and you deserve full throttle punishment, does he not love you? Don't say it out loud. Some of us believe that. First five years in ministry for me, I 100% believe that. Every time I failed, I was out of the will of God. I was not for him. I was not on my way to heaven, whatever my version of that looked like then. I was definitely not on my way there. God is good. I can talk about it. God is love. I can talk about it, but definitely not for me. God is good. Everybody say, God is good. He's a good, good father. <laughs> to lead you into a song. Breakout. Song breakout. Mm. Second one, love is our primary calling. I'm going to get you to repeat that. One, two, three. Love is our primary calling. Okay? Not hate. If you're better at what you stand against than what you stand for, you're not preaching the gospel correctly. That's not correct gospel. It's not enough to just dislike stuff. It's enough to have what is better available to others. Right? Right? So there's no group we're against. There's a, there's a man, a God, who we're so for that he puts us in groups that we're against, and then he does the work. It's so good. The third thing is he speaks through the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that because that's crazy talk. I'm saying he speaks through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He does it in Scripture. It's there in Acts. It's there. I'm going to read you a passage. It's there, you know. But the one with love, though, love is our primary calling. This one's tough. You know, we think about that. And we, I'll just send somebody a card. I love them. Love is super sloppy. When you start to discern what God wants for your life, it will edify that God is good that our primary calling is love, and when you start to tap into your primary calling being love, you just invited a whole bunch of sloppy into every part of your life. Because love is sloppy, and real love looks super hard to define. Real love, this, this one time we lived in an apartment complex, a guy knocked on our door at 12 o'clock at night, and I was super scared, because it's my first instinct. I didn't do this in that moment. I was like, I'm totally the guy that's like, <laughs> Sarah, go. At that point in my life, I owned a rifle. I used to, totally used to do this. I'm a very different person, by the way. But whenever somebody would do anything in our neighborhood, I promise I would, I would get my rifle and I would run outside real quick and be like, <laughs> I swear I used to do that. Just so that they knew, right? <laughs> that guy's super scary or weird because he ran in and out. I promise I did that. So this one time, this guy comes at 12 and knocks on our door. And it was in the heart of Austell, which Austell is not necessarily a rough area, but it's not like the opposite of a rough area. I don't know what kind of area it is, but it was, it's condensed. And so I walked away, and then like five minutes later, the guy's walking around, and I noticed he has like a gas can in his hand. And I'm like, oh, either I'm about to get robbed by a great scam artist, or this guy needs gas, and it's 12. I felt, again, I felt that nudge. The Holy Spirit is saying, go out to that guy. Go out there. He's super drunk. <laughs> Part of the story that's not super awesome, but it's real. Um, and I, I was like, I, I need gas, man. I'm driving through the state. And then I see his family in his car. And, the, okay, you're, you're, there's going to be Oz for a minute. You're not going to like me by the end of the story, <laughs> okay? Just me being transparent. Um, so I, I, get, I get in my car. I invite him. We go fill up gas. I think I pay for it because that would make me feel like a super Christian if I did that and paid for it. 
I'm a, evidently a great Christian, right? <laughs> then we get back, and um, God, this is bad. How much of this can I? <laughs> I'm just going to just talk about it. So I start to realize there's a lot more to this story than me filling a, ga- a tank of gas. There's a lot more sloppy uh, truth awareness alert. I didn't do anything else. Here's what sh- should have happened. I should have probably been with him the whole night in a loving way. Kids were crying in the back seat, wife in the front seat. I felt like I did enough, you know, I did enough. But if love is our primary calling, I wasn't very loving. I don't think. I did some good stuff. There's drinking in the car. Ah, but I did my part, right? I paid for gas. Love is sloppy. Love makes you not sleep at night. Love makes you go approach people who do not need to be approached. Love lets someone sleep in your basement when they have nowhere to go. Love pays somebody's rent when they really need it. Love listens to a person that you cannot stand hearing talk and then giving them the grace to be themselves without having to change them. Love does what the world will not do, okay? Love goes places the world will not go. Love doesn't want to punish, but the world wants to punish. Love does not fear. There is no fear in love, but the world fears. So when you start to say yes to listening to discernment, you better know that it will look like you getting yourself into some sloppy situations that aren't about you. And that is the discernment of Jesus, and I'll prove it to you by reading to you. This is 1 John 4, the rest of the passage, 7. And I think it's really interesting here, just a quick, and we're super good on time, that it's talking about discerning the Antichrist, which can be really taken out of and theologically just destroyed and and overemphasized about something that it's actually not, or Christ. It's talking about discerning between the Antichrist or Christ, which is something for a Christian. You just kind of want to know that. Don't you want to know that? Like, you would want to know that. And then this is, the, this is the example, or like the story it shares. Like, this is God. This is your God. You want to know a good description of who God is? Yes, He's just, right? We know He's just. But this is the description they're talking about here. When you're trying to figure out if you should say yes or no to something. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. What is the world? Does not love, does not get sloppy, does not listen, does not go listen to the phone calls, does not go the extra mile. What does the world do? This is what you deserve. Super, another super embarrassing story. We had our people over that are our next door neighbors last night to eat dinner. And um, they're in ministry at a different church. I just, we just had them over for dinner. We had pizza. It was fun. And um, about a week ago, we were driving by a homeless person, which in Atlanta, you drive by a homeless person like every day if you're in Atlanta. So realistically, you cannot give money to everybody. I get that. But it's also, this is not the answer to that. They just need to get a job. They can work. You have no idea their plight, right? You have no idea their struggle. I have no idea their struggle. Most embarrassing moment of my night last night was when um, Alethea was talking. We were talking about how Alethea has a huge compassionate heart. She does. She sees a homeless person. She just starts crying. That's her response, just tears, like just true, genuine love. She's like, yeah, my daddy and me were driving the other day, and we saw a homeless person. He wouldn't give him any money. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, there's so much more to that story than just that. 
But I didn't even save myself. I was like, you know, I just want, I want to foster compassion in her. I don't want to squash anything by being like, well, Lathy, here's the real story of what happened. So I just swallowed my pride and was like, I didn't. <laughs> I was like, oh, which is like the worst thing you could say to me. You can call me a bad preacher. You can tell me I'm not good at leading. You can tell me this church is going to fail. It's not going to fail. Talk about that I didn't care for someone who really needed it. You want to talk about tapping into like the way the enemy could destroy me? But it's not easy, right? I'm not sure if that was where that point was going, but it worked. Amen? All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish this. That's what I'm going to do. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Or you've already heard, God is love, God is good, he has given us the spirit. The three things I told you to know before you're discerning. And we, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Do you rely on the love God has for you? Are you still trying to work your way into something that he's going to give you? Or are you relying on, if you don't love me, then this is, none of this is going to work. So good. God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, which happens to be a pattern of the world. Judgment is, is what the world does because in the world they are like him. There is no fear in love, which is another pattern of the world, another word the world loves to capitalize on because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loves us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So, going into, and we're going to pray in a moment, and I'm going to pray that as you are processing hearing the voice of God and believing he's speaking to you for now in your life, that you will use those three things as a barometer. He is good. Everything that we do is motivated by love, and his Holy Spirit will speak to me. Does that make sense? And so, and James, you can, whoever's going to come up for worship, you guys can come up. First question of this closing, and I'm closing. Do you believe those three things? If you don't, you need to interact with that. If you do not believe that God is good, that he is motivated by love, and that he speaks with his Holy Spirit, just for the rest of this service, interact with it and let him speak. Even if you already know he's not going to speak, pull the towel back. All right, I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm giving you an opportunity. I'll trust and listen for a little bit. This has never worked for me before. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you space. I don't feel like you're good. <laughs> There's people in here right now that are like, I don't feel like you're good because why is this happening? There's people in here that are like, if you're motivated by love, then I haven't understood that version of you. So we just, we just ask today, Father, that, that we would really sense and see you the way that you want to be seen so that we then fall in love. Second question for you. Where is he at work in your life that you need to notice the Spirit of God is in the flesh right here? Where in your life right now can you look and say, That's, there's Jesus all over that. The Spirit of God is all over that. And then he would say, no, he's not. That's, not, that's not even real. 
Where is he in the flesh right now that you need to say, that is God, I need to respond to that. God, what do I need to do? How would love respond to this? Does that make sense? That's your second question. Third question. God does a good job of mending brokenness and healing things that we do. There's always scars, but he heals. Do you find yourself in like 50 terribly discerned situations that you need the Lord to step into now? It's not discerning what you're going into. It's, oh my gosh, like (laughs) I did all this and here I am. Does that make sense? You need to invite him into that. I hope you would want to invite him into that. And let it, watch what he can do. He can turn something into something amazing. Your inclination will be to not involve him. Involve him now. Even if you find yourself in a relationship that you know is not for you. Involve him in. This sloppiness is probably going to ensue. That's okay. He's a good father. He wants what's best for you, right? When, you, when you're inviting this for him... He wants what's best for you, and it's attached to all kinds of things, your identity, your future, what's going to happen in your life, who's going to be impacted. Like, there's going to be three kids running around in here. Not for you, but, like, that's... Involve him now. Like, bring him in. Slow down. Before you take that next promotion, God. Before you do this, God, what are you... Before you believe those things about yourself, God, what are you saying? Let him in. It's so awesome. If we can have a few prayer teams, um, maybe over here and over here, I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me. Typically, at the end of our services, we ask a couple things. We're going we're gonna to leave this space open for, for worship. And then, bonus today, we're going to be taking communion. And we don't have a couple people that are going to be on each side, so it's going to be um, self-administered communion, which um, if you need help with that, I'll help you with that. Give him room today, right? Give him room. Give him a decision. Give him a decision and say, here's something I want to know your will about. And believe that he'll lead you and involve him in it. And so, Father, as we close today, I I do want to say thank you for a beautiful community that I feel like I could talk to real stuff about as a pastor, and they would love me well. I pray that they would look around and find people that will hear them. I pray that they would be people that will hear I pray that we would discern together. I pray that we would go through healing together. I just, I feel an overwhelming sense of peace that he would really like to speak to some some of you today that he would really like to. It would delight him to. That he's not going to make it hard. He just wants you to just be able to receive from him. So Lord, we say we say yes to creating space to say you're the creator of the world that created us that knows what we need before we need it. We give you room to bring life into desolate places bring purpose where there's no purpose, to bring healing where there's brokenness. We ask you to bind up the brokenhearted. We ask you to, 
to stand with the poor in spirit in their poorest place today. We ask that we could be transparent before you. We invite you, God, because you're good, you're motivated by love, and your Holy Spirit is here on our behalf. We thank you, Lord. Just for the next few moments, just respond in this room. If you need to talk, please head out to the hallway. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.